Ari the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We just want to say thank you so much for um, all of your uh, well wishes, your anniversary blessings yesterday. We really enjoyed it. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a great time talking about marriage and using the opportunity of our anniversary to do that. What we plan to do, just to give you a heads up, is to kind of go back to this on Friday, but do sort of like an open the phone lines from the very beginning and just have an open dialogue about the state of marriage yeah. in the church in America. And so that means that you will help us drive the discussion. What are the observations that you are making as far as the health of marriage um, in our churches today, it's one thing for us to decry what we see happening in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture will culture. Right, <laughs> they will right. do what they do. Um, but it's something else, I think, altogether for us to observe what's happening in the church when it's to us that the commandments are given, that the word of God is to be exalted and revered. And so when there's a failure there, it starts to trickle out into the larger culture. Right. And so we'll talk about that on Friday. We'll open the phone lines way up. Um, as I understand, the phone lines kind of lit up yesterday. Yeah, they did. And uh, we only got to a couple of the calls. So <laughs> um, so we'll do, we'll do a better job and just use that as the backdrop for our discussion on Friday. So prepare yourselves for that. Um, I will just say this too. Um, we used to do that quite often during the morning show. We would say Friday is our gumbo show and we would just open the phone lines up and say, hey, you want to talk to us about anything? You've got questions, um, comments mm-hmm. for us specifically. Mm-hmm. We would just do that. And I don't know that we've done it like that yet. Um, Friday will be no. one of those days. Yeah. That's kind of scary. It is scary. You have to be prepared because people do ask you questions. We, of course, <laughs> reserve the right to say none of your business. Um But, you know, (laughs) we'll just see how that all goes. So anyway, that'll happen on Friday, Lord willing. So we hope that you'll be able to tune in um, tomorrow for that. Also coming up on the show, we're going to continue talking about the greatest journey where you have an opportunity to go one step further than packing your shoe boxes and getting those incredible gifts, um, a display of God's love to kids in countries all around the world. Mm -hmm. You can go a step further and ensure that those kids also get the follow up which is the gospel and discipleship and training. So what does it mean to receive the love of God? Um, have your practical needs met, your felt needs? What does it mean now to have your spiritual needs met and also to to meet the one who prompts people from countries that you've never been to that you may never meet to send yeah. and give you gifts? Yeah. So we're going to talk about that in the second segment. And then in the third and final segment, we are going to talk with Bethany Bomberger, and I am oh. so excited about this. Yeah. Look, last year I was I was in a bookstore last year, and um, I was so upset to see all of the different book titles that my description were radicalizing children, mm. creating rabid feminists. I mean, there were books <laughs> with like you know pink hats for girls mm-hmm. and 
all sorts of things, activist kids. And I mean, I took pictures of them. You remember when I posted this on Facebook and then I did a video. I was so, and I don't often do like a Facebook live. You know, I have to really feel something strongly right. to do like a Facebook live. And, um, and so I did a Facebook live on this because I was outraged to see all of the books in the children's department of this bookstore that I was in that these books were radicalizing kids. They were creating many activists, right? And so my thing was parents, you have the job. You must indoctrinate your kids. You must fortify your kids. Well, here now we have Bethany Bomberger, who mm. if, you, if that name sounds familiar to you, then you probably know Ryan. You probably know the Radiance Foundation. And uh, she has authored her first children's book. It's called Pro-Life Kids. Yes, everyone, <laughs> round of applause. Everybody's clapping right where they sit. And so this is wonderful because yeah. this is what we should be doing. Yeah, amen. In the body of Christ, this is what we should be doing. We should be standing up and saying no to that, yes to this, and then amen. using the creativity that God has given us to create the this. Yeah. And here it is. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm excited. And, of course, as is our custom, I've got a book to give away to one oh, of man. our listeners. How I love doing that. that. Yes, super duper exciting. So if you are... Um, one of those parents you're listening and you're like, yeah, you know what? We are raising activists. We are raising kids who are engaged, who are not afraid of this culture. And you're already thinking, man, I'd like to get me a copy of that book. Then you keep listening. We're going to give one away here. But beyond that, I would like to encourage you to get this book. Let me just tell you right off the bat, we've already read it to our kids. Our kids have read it on their own and they've listened to me read it. And uh, we love it. This, this is what we should be doing in the body of Christ. I know I already said that, but I feel it so strongly. <laughs> so um, we're going to discuss that in the third and final segment. First up, though, in the moments that we have remaining before we talk Greatest Journey okay. and then Pro-Life Kids, I read this article. Uh, it's a long BuzzFeed news article, and I have to give you a disclaimer. This information is not suitable for children. So if you tend to have littles with you from time to time as you listen, um, I would just say that this is not going to be the conversation for them. Mm. I was so disturbed by this information. As you know, Will the Great and I talk about keeping your kids safe. You look at all these different apps and, you know, you've got child predators on these apps. I mean, even as, as, as you know, in an unexpected place like the Bible app, right. you've got the, yeah. child sex predators who are infiltrating mm. like youth groups. I mean, you know, we talked about that on mm -hmm, this program. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, I was reading this BuzzFeed News article where there was um, a 16-month investigation done about dating apps and you know you have that moment where you're reading stuff and it's so unbelievable to you that you think <laughs> when is it gonna stop like yeah. you know you're kind of like it, it just seems unreal you right. know it seems right. unreal and this is a very long article we are not going to be able to get into it what we will do is scratch the surface of the article and then as always we put links in the show notes right. so you can so go you can and go access this article. See for yourself. And boy, do I suggest you do it. Mm. I mean, they've got stories and accounts in here to back up this 16-month investigation into what is insidiously hiding within dating apps today. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just insane. So here it is. Here is the story. Tinder lets known sex offenders use the app, but it's not the only one. Match Group which owns most major online dating services, screens for sexual predators on Match, but not on Tinder, not on OkCupid, or their, their same dating app, Plenty of Fish. This is according to a spokesperson. Here is a direct quote 
from a spokesperson quoted in this article, quote, there are definitely registered sex offenders on our free products. Definitely. Now, guys, I, <laughs> okay, I'm take a take a little breath here. <laughs> um, this article begins with an account of a woman who shares her story, and I'm going to share it with you. Okay. But in the interest of time and in the event that we don't get to ultimately where I want to go, let me just jump ahead and explain to you how this happens. So you've got Match.com, which went public and became Match Group, and it bought up all of its competitor dating apps, right? So like your Tinder, your, your Tinder, your OkCupid, your Plenty of Fish. And so these all fall under the group um, Match Group. Mm -hmm. Now, if you subscribe to the dating app Match, which is a paid subscription for dating, then they screen for you know, registered sex offenders, sexual predators, and they do a better job. On the free apps, they do not. So for the people who are using the free dating apps. Which would be probably more people. More people probably. Right. Using the date, the free dating apps, they are not screening. What they do, and man, I don't want to get, let me, well, I'll just, I'll just sum it up for you. Mm -hmm. What they do is they um, are on the merit system. So you just tell us, are you a registered sex offender? So they just oh, take take your word. Yes. Wow. So you tell us, do do have you? Wow. Do, do you have any indictable crimes that we need to know about that you've committed? Now I just want to know where is the honest sex offender? Right. Like who's going to just like say, where is the? You, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Like right. the person who's going to sit down and say. Um, yeah, I, I want to date people, but yeah, I've, I've raped people before. Like, where right. is the sex offender right. who's going to say that? Anyway, listen to this story. Here we go in the time that we have here. Susan DeVoe saw Mark Pampachell's online dating profile on Plenty of Fish in late 2016. Scrolling through his pictures, she saw a 54-year-old man, balding and broad, dressed in a T-shirt. Pampachow lived near his home or near her home in a suburb of Boston and like DeVoe was divorced. His dating app profile said he wanted to find someone to marry. <laughs> now, listen, folks, according to this article, a background check would have revealed that Pampachow was a three time convicted rapist. Wow. Wow. Three time, three time. convicted. Yeah. Rapist. It would have shown that Massachusetts designated him a dangerous registered sex offender. Mm. So how did Plenty of Fish allow such a man to use its service? Plenty of Fish does not conduct criminal background or identity verification checks on its users or otherwise inquire into the background of its users. It puts responsibility for policing its users on the users themselves. Man. Customers who sign its service agreement promise they haven't they promise they haven't committed a felony or indictable offense, a sex crime, or any crime involving violence. Okay, guys, <laughs> now, when I, when I read this, what immediately comes to my mind is the fact that you've got people who, you know, it's one thing to joke about this, this whole phenomenon of being catfished. Yeah. You've heard of this like, uh -huh. where you've got a, a person who's got they've got a profile, they've got right. a background that it's not right. them. It's you know, it's something that. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But to talk about the potential to be sexually assaulted, 
which by the way, let me just jump ahead. The reason Susan DeVoe is in this BuzzFeed article is because after the second date with this man, this three-time registered sex offender, he raped her. Man. Okay, wow. but she is not alone. There, if you go through this, this article, and it's wow. about 16 pages of, of reporting from, um, what is this group? It's Columbia Journalism Investigations. 16 months of reporting. They have kind of summed it up in about 14, 15, 16 pages of information where you've got women. And, and, and let me, here's the crazy thing ab- about all of this. Match Group says that they are doing a great job in keeping, you know, th- those who participate in this dating service safe. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, if, if you're talking about, you know, 10% or you say what you guys have is like 157 people mm-hmm. out of the millions of people that we have kept safe. And they're saying we're doing a really good job. My thing is this. Tell that to the 157 people. Right who are sexually assaulted, right. you know, when just a simple background check could, I mean, because if you're saying that, you know, a, a person is going to agree to your terms, right, and and you expect them to police themselves. Like, I don't even understand why you would put that out there that the person can police themselves if you have an app, a dating app. It's, <laughs> I mean, there's so much that can happen you know, it seemed like the background check should be mandatory. I like, think so. Like, I don't understand how you can even have a dating app and say, well, just tell us if you are or not. It's, <laughs> that's crazy. It is insane. And it's and it's incredibly dangerous for women. You know, in reading this article, it talked about the number of the assaults that have happened um, through users on college campuses, mm-hmm. you know, in dorm rooms and things like that, and people's, in people's in, in their apartments. And, you know, we can we can make I can offer my own commentary on dating apps and and of course as you know i have some i'm in the business of (laughs) commentating right and 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 so i could offer my own commentary but i would just say this at a very basic level whatever your thought is about dating apps and and you know how this all works i mean don't we think that this goes beyond the idea of public service to ensure that people using this service are safe right i mean that's not even to me that doesn't even seem like that should be a basic request it seems that that should be a given extension exactly that this is what we do but no not so anyway you need to read this article it is absolutely fascinating and unbelievable at the same time it'll be at afr.net when you get the podcast Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio we gotta take the break we'll come back and we're gonna talk the greatest journey make sure you stay right there Welcome back to American Family Radio. Aaron the Addisons. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Sarah Reeves with details. Details. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And joining us right now in the studio is Bill Fister. We were talking about the pronunciation of his last name because he's got a P in front of the F. <laughs> but, you know, being from Louisiana, we're okay with that, right? right? Like, because right. we have words like chapatulis. Yeah. Yeah, we got all kinds <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> we, we, our nose are spelled with E A U X's. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. And yeah. it's E-A-U-X. So we get it. So we, we're, we're all good with that. Yeah, but we're, we're going to talk about the greatest journey. Some of our favorite things to talk about is really the ministry that goes forth um, and seeing the kingdom of God advance. Amen. And when we partner with Samaritan's Purse, we can do more, even though it's great what we're doing as we stuff shoeboxes yes. and make sure that we get shoeboxes all around the world. But we can do something in addition to that, which is go a step further and make sure that the recipients of those shoeboxes connect that gift to the ultimate giver of the ultimate gift. Amen. And so that is in The Greatest Journey. So, Bill, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your role with Samaritan's Purse and why The Greatest Journey is so important. Amen. Thank you, Miki. Thank you, Will. Thank you, listeners to AFR Radio, for the opportunity to talk about what goes on on the other side of the shoebox. Yeah. yeah. Because so many of your listeners are so faithful to pack a shoebox. Mm-hmm. They love the Lord. They want to get involved in ministry. They want to make a difference in a child's life. And I want to tell you today, they're making a difference in more than a million children's lives wow. every year in over a hundred countries, but it doesn't stop just with the child. It doesn't even stop just with the shoebox gift. You mentioned the greatest gift of all, mm-hmm. and the greatest gift is bigger than the the box of toys and school supplies. That's it's right. in an outreach event in which we have the opportunity to be able to introduce a child to Jesus Christ, the mm. greatest gift of all. And Amen. That's the outreach event. And and like you said, Miki, it just doesn't stop there. No. It goes on and on. And I'm going to tell you more about it today, I hope. Oh, I hope that you will. And I think that it's so important for us to understand that we are still called, we're still tasked with taking the gospel around the world, that mm-hmm. we are still given that great commission. And that's what Samaritan's Purse is doing with The Greatest Journey. So I want to kind of rewind here just a little bit. How did you see the need for going a step further, like going beyond the packing of the shoebox and then saying, but you know what, we've got to have a clear presentation of the gospel, but then we also need discipleship. We've got to make robust followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the opportunity to do this with little children. Boy, Miki, and and to even take it back from the very beginning, when Franklin Graham first had the, the opportunity to take uh, Operation Christmas Child to the nations. It began very, very small, like 20,000 gift boxes from 20,000 in the first year to 11 million today worldwide. Oh, wow. But he said for the first year or two, it was helping children in war-torn communities, mm-hmm. refugees, mm-hmm. Uh, and it was humanitarian. And he said, you know what? If we don't connect this to the gospel, God's not going to bless it. And it was when it began to be focused on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with these children. Amen that God took it to another level. Amen. And we believe the same thing is happening right now when we begin to understand it's not enough just to share the gospel with these children in an outreach event and then leave them. Yeah, It's almost like you, you know having a child and then not taking care of the child That's and not right. putting them in a good home. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to be able to put the child in a good home by then coming up with discipleship material that would connect that child to a local church and a local pastor in his or her home country, speaking his or her language, in his or her neighborhood. And so we're partnering with about 70,000 churches worldwide every year, pastors and leaders in these churches that are trained in how to take this curriculum, walk a child through this curriculum. And our goal, our dream is that they're going to put their faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. 8.9 million kids have trusted in Christ through the greatest oh, wow. journey. You know, when I when I hear you saying this, Bill, I'm, I'm thinking that when we partner and when we are faithful in the Great Commission, we are hastening the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we long to be with him. You know, we long to spend eternity with him. And what we are doing is we are spreading the gospel around the world 
so that we are closing in that gap of time that we wait um, to be with him. And our listeners have an incredible opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, $6 provides evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. Talk about that. How does that work? It sure does. And, you know, Miki, one of the, the neatest things that this is going to do is it's going to provide the training for that teacher. Mm-hmm. Over 250,000 teachers worldwide is what we have to do every year to prepare them to reach 4.2 million children that are going to go through this. And so just think about that for a minute, the multiplication and, and how big we're talking. But that's going to provide them with their, their teacher's materials, a book for the child, a New Testament for them when they graduate a graduation certificate. And I want to tell you, there's some of these children that might not ever graduate from school, mm. but they're going to come to their local church and they're going to graduate a 12-week discipleship program. They're going to put on a cap and a gown. Oh, come on. They're going to take pictures. <laughs> their whole family's going to come to That's this wonderful. event. And they are the proudest things they've ever been because they've put their faith in Jesus Amen. and they are graduating. And I'm going to tell you, it's just the beginning of a lifetime of discipleship is they're going to be connected to that local church. So one of the things that we teach our kids, Bill, we, Will the Great and I have five children, and as we actively disciple them, we try to teach them that when they are giving and when they are sharing, that they are sharing in the eternal outcome of what they're investing in, right? So that they understand that when we pack shoeboxes, every Mm -hmm. year we do this, that they share in the harvest. So whatever is reaped as a result of that, they share in that. And I would like to encourage our listeners to know as well that when they send their support, when they partner with Samaritan's Purse to get the greatest journey into countries and to see that multiplication, they share in that harvest. So I want to do this now, and I want you to be thinking about some of those stories and some of those testimonies that have come out of this program, because I know that they're incredible. Mm. But I want to let our listeners know how they can partner and how they can be a part of this. So if you go to AFR.net, AFR.net, you'll click on the link and you can donate and you can see multiplication. You can be a part of evangelism, discipleship, and outreach. One of the things uh, Will the Great and I say, and and I actually stole this from Will, so I'll give him credit. And then it comes to me after that. But first it came to him. He said that when we don't disciple, he said it's like catching fish that you refuse to clean. Mm. Like everybody gets excited about reeling in that big catch. You know, he says, but there's work to be done after that. And he says discipleship is the hard work. And there's an incredible amount of training that goes into that. And so I want to invite our listeners to partner with Samaritan's Purse. Um, We are suggesting $60 to reach 10 kids or $150 to reach 25 children. But whatever it is that you have to give, you can give and partner and share in this harvest. I mean, look, we, our country, mm-hmm. the United States of America, yeah. is still a sending nation. Yes. Yeah. We are Amen. still exporting the gospel. And That's for right. all of the things that we have been guilty of exporting, I hope that we are still guilty yeah. of exporting the gospel around the world. And Samaritan's Purse makes it possible for us to do that. Amen. And, you know, the incredible thing about this too, Will and Mickey, is that when one person packs one shoebox, mm-hmm. it is going to have an impact. The gospel is going to be shared. That child is going to hear that Jesus died for them on the cross, that God loves them, that they have hope, that they have a future, that life's not all just bleak and difficult. And when they go through the greatest journey, they're going to have 12 additional weeks just as a beginning to begin to understand who is God, what is life about, who is my creator, what is my purpose on this earth, why did uh, Jesus die for me, what do I do from here? 
we're seeing this multiply now and that many of these children, even in just 12 weeks, are learning enough about Jesus Christ that they're going home and they're sharing it with their mothers and their fathers, with their children, with their siblings. Excuse me. It's even estimated that the booklet that we give out at these distribution events called The Greatest Gift, which points them to Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as the greatest gift, is read on average seven times. So if we're talking about 11 million shoebox gifts times seven, wow. 77 million times we know that these evangelistic books are being studied all over the world in about 114 countries on earth. To the wow. glory of God. To, to the, the glory, glory of, of God, God and the Amen. advancing and building up of his kingdom. I yes. mean, this is just amazing. So let me do this then. Let me let me ask, because I, I had another thought in mind, but since you mentioned that, I want to talk about the practical training for the teachers who receive um, this the greatest journey. How do you recruit them, and how do you ensure that they know how to teach this to children to see that kind of passion in the and, children? And also, some of those teachers were they once uh, recipients of shoeboxes as well. <laughs> Boy, now what a question! <laughs> I, I, I'd love That's to. Good. I'm going to take you to right now and take our listeners to to the small town of Pifo, Ecuador, which is just outside the capital city of Quito, where we just came back a few weeks ago from to celebrate 10 years of the greatest journey. Mm. We wanted to go back to where it was begun 10 years ago as a pilot program, and we wanted to find out what impact is this having? You know, that's a dangerous thing to say, are you having an impact? Yeah. Because if you're not, right. you have to ask, well, what am I <laughs> right. doing? Am I so I'm a little do? scared yeah. going, well, what is that's this? Right. Well, right. right there, I met this young boy. Right now, he's 22 years old. And he said, let me tell you about what happened in my life. Mm-hmm. He said, 10 years ago, when I was in that first class. First mm. of all, I was impressed. He's still at the same church. Wow. wow. Because he came to Faith in Jesus at an outreach event. He went through the greatest journey, but he said the greatest impact beyond me coming to faith in Jesus is right back there on that pew. That's where my mom and dad now sit. That's Mm. where my grandparents sit. Because (laughs) after what I learned coming through this program, hearing about Jesus, going through the greatest journey, I knew enough to go tell my mom and dad and my grandparents that they needed to be followers of Jesus too. Wow. So 10 years in, that entire family is now in that church. That's impact. To me, that's impact. impact. Like you said, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. I I hope that we still um, are amazed when we hear that the gospel is spreading, that the word of God is spreading and the word of God is is growing. We're reading through Acts with our children right now. (laughs) So we're looking at the church expand, right? And so even as we're talking about this right now, I hope that this reignites believers, that as you're listening, that it's not just about your financial gift, right? But it's what can be a part of your credit in heaven, like for eternity. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think of the Apostle Paul. He says, this is like what's going to be credited to you. It's mm-hmm. not that I have any need, but I am seeking that what might be to your credit. And I think the same is true for every believer who is listening. We have an opportunity to actively advance the church, and we want to give you an opportunity to do just that. You can go online mm-hmm. to AFR.net, AFR.net, or you can call this number. And I've been told that I give the number way too fast. <laughs> I have been told. I have been told. In fact, we got a voicemail saying that Miki gives the phone number way too fast. So I'm going to give the number twice and slow for every believer who is like, I want to give. I don't do a lot of stuff online. And you want the number. Here it is. 877-616-2396. I have a choir director just off the mirror there, <laughs> off the glass. It's Sherry B., She's giving me the tempo right here, how to give the number. It's 877-616-2396. 
888-626-2396 or you can go online to AFR.net. And when you do that, what you're saying is that you want to be a part of the proliferation of the gospel. You want to continue to see the church of the Lord expanding and growing, and you want to see discipleship, robust discipleship Amen. taking place. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we like to talk about it, Samaritan's Person, Operation Christmas Child, evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. We call it EDM. We've even got a little acronym for that That's because it's, it's what we believe in. It's what we want to be a part of. And uh, in my background, I'm a pastor. I was a missionary, and we used to plant churches the old-fashioned way. We would go door-to-door and knock on doors mm-hmm. and talk to people about their relationship with Jesus, and it was hard, and it was slow, and it was long and a hard process. What we're seeing now through Operation Christmas Child is many of our local church pastors are going into communities that have no evangelical presence. Mm-hmm. We're talking about even Muslim communities, Hindu communities. We're talking about hard-to-reach areas, wow. unreached people groups. And one church pastor recently was with him in uh, Mexico, and he's building a church building. And so I see literally the walls of the church going up, and I'm seeing the the the, the beams going up about for the roof, no roof up yet, no door yet. And so I asked him a question. I said, how many people go to church here? I mean, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Anybody would mm-hmm. ask that question. And he says, nobody. Mm. So what do you mean you're building a church for nobody? And he looked at me, and, and I'm senior regional director for the <laughs> Americas and the Caribbean, as if that meant anything. And he said, he said, you don't know much about Operation Christmas Child, do you? <laughs> and I was like, well, please tell me. You know? And he said, I've done this 10 years in a row. He said, many of you in the United States are so faithful to pack these shoebox gifts and to give your donation and to give to support the greatest journey. And then here in Mexico, we receive these gift boxes, and we steward them well, and we're faithful with them. And we have outreach events for children, and we share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We then invite them back to 12 weeks of the greatest journey discipleship. And he says, and every year an incredible thing happens on the 13th week. The kids come back. Wow. Mm. Wow. And a church is born. Wow. So he says to me, so this building that you're looking at today, he says, this church has not been born yet. But next year, it's going to be born. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you, I was able to go back to that church just two weeks ago, and we were there to dedicate a brand new church building that was just born. When those kids had an outreach event and received shoeboxes, they went through the greatest journey, and then they continued to come to the church. And I'm just saying, that's some of the impact. That's what happens on the other side of the gift box. Yeah. Many of you listeners right now, what you're giving to, Miki earlier was talking about the eternal impact and, and the investment that we're making. Can you imagine Revelation 5 and 7 talks about nations and yes. tribes and tongues mm. and worshiping Jesus? We're Amen. going to be around that throne. And can you imagine on the day one of us goes up there and a little boy, a little girl comes up to us and says, thank you for giving. Mm. Thank you for packing that shoebox. Mm. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving to the greatest journey because I'm fruit of that ministry. Wow. That's that amazing. That awesome. is amazing. Right now, you can be a part of that. You can go to AFR.net, AFR.net. Your gift of $6 provides evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. Right now, during our show, we actually have some match funds. So mm-hmm. everything that you give up to $2,500 during this hour gets matched dollar for dollar which, you know, we have five kids, we coupon, so that's a, that's a really, <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to say, it's just the truth, um, but that's a really good deal. And I also want to give you the number again, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396. We are almost out of time. Bill, I just have one last question for you as we go to this break. Um, I would like to take the name of a kid with me. 
um, that we can be praying for and that we can rejoice over what the Lord has done recently in their lives. Can I have a first name in maybe one of the countries that you guys have been in recently? I'm going to give you the, the name of uh, one young boy. His name is Manuel from Ecuador. And I want you to pray for him because this young boy has experienced Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He's beginning to tell others, I believe God's got a great future for that young boy. Manuel. That's him. Manuel. That's him. There we go. (laughs) There we go. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. Go online, AFR.net, and send one kid on the greatest journey. We'll be right back. back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, The Greatest Journey. We can, we can listen. You know, our heritage is the proliferation of the gospel. Right. It got to us because of faithful men and women. That's how it got to us, right? And so we have a responsibility to get it to the next generation. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to be faithful. And um, The Greatest Journey and Samaritan's Purse, man, Franklin Graham and the crew, like, uh, it's just... It's an incredible opportunity that we have to be hands and feet. I'll say this really quickly. Um, this year, we took our packed shoeboxes with us as we traveled. We went to Florida. Right. And right. so what we did <laughs> was we used the the uh, locator thing to find yeah, out where the nearest the, the, church, the, drop-off. the nearest drop-off. Yeah. And uh, we found a Spanish-speaking church in awesome. Florida. It was incredible. It was awesome. It was incredible. I mean, we had such a great time. Yeah. Your mom and your sister um, were with us and, mm-hmm. and all five of our kids. And, and we get out, we pile in and we go to take our shoe boxes. And man, we agree. I mean, it was just it was wonderful because the amazing thing and people know this and then we'll move on. In the body of Christ, you don't meet strangers. Right. That's family. It's family. It's all family. You, there was an immediate connection where you're like, oh, we have the greatest thing in common. Exactly. Right? It's that we have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was wonderful. And um, our sister down there in Florida, she said, oh, wait, let me find someone. She wanted to pray for us. And she said, but let me find someone to pray in English. And we go, no, no, pray for us in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> just just and pray it was for awesome, us. Man. It was wonderful. It was awesome. I mean, it was just fantastic. So anyway, okay, now let's move on because um, we have got to talk about activism in motion. Oh. Right? And this, and this is what we want. And, uh, and and Bethany and Ryan, they they are like, I mean, they are phrase makers, mm-hmm. right? They make phrases, they make statements, they upset people, they win <laughs> lawsuits, they upset people, they do incredible things. And I'm so excited. This is my first time talking with Bethany. We've talked with Ryan a lot. We've interviewed yeah. him. He was at our very first conference. That's right. But this is my first time talking with Bethany Bumberger, who is the other half of this powerhouse couple, the mm-hmm. Bumbergers and the co-founders of the Radiance Foundation. And they are truly doing, like, I mean, hard work in what they are calling shifting culture. Amen. You know, I say all the time that we have to stand against, stand against, we have to resist. But there is something that we can do in addition to that resisting, Mm -hmm. right? There's something that we can, we can be salt and light. 
Mm-hmm. We can be proactive That's and right. not just reactive. And that is what Bethany Bomberger has done in authoring her first, I think it's her first book. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to say her first children's book, Pro-Life Kids. Bethany, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, it's so fun to be with you guys. <laughs> I am well, and I'm even better now that I'm chatting with you guys because, Mickey, you're a friend in my head. Like, you don't know yet that we're good, we're good girlfriends. You I just love it. don't know it yet. Yes. <laughs> I accept. I, I feel like we just met on the playground and we're like, hey, we're best friends. I accept. That's yes. Right. <laughs> We can we can have our moms exchange numbers. We're best friends right, now. It's right. just happening. We'll make a pact. We'll make a pact. Yes. <laughs> so Bethany, you and Ryan are doing incredible work in mm-hmm. the culture. You are an educator. Um, you have a bachelor's degree in education, and you have a master's degree in uh, family mm-hmm. studies from Messiah College. No, the master's degree is in education from Regent University, mm-hmm. but your bachelor's degree is in education and family studies from Messiah College. You educate your kids at home, but you have also worked in public and private education. And in addition to all of that, you and Ryan are factivists. <laughs> you guys are out in culture, giving the facts, standing against wickedness, and standing up for what it means to defend life and to declare that all life has purpose and has value. Please talk about how you get to the place where you're like, you know what? I am going to write a children's book. How does that happen? Hmm. Well, like you just mentioned, my background is education, educational leadership, and then after all the schooling, I ended up teaching all different grades, first grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, seventh, eighth, um, public, private. I was in Philly schools my last few years, um, in middle schools there, and suburban. I did private Christian in Connecticut, you know, when I first started. So... Over the years, my experience has been just engaging with children at all different levels, from different socioeconomic levels, from different walks of life. And then you add to that the fact that I have my own kiddos, right, and Mm -hmm. raising both biological and adoptive kiddos, which are all the same in my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've really become passionate about empowering children. And I think that so often we underestimate the... um, the promise and the purposes that are found within children. And I believe that God wants us to empower them from young ages to not only encounter God, but to be a mouthpiece for him. Mm. And um, I believe so deeply that children are naturally Mm pro-life. So as you've mentioned, the work that we do through the Radiance Foundation and our heart is to really illuminate that every life has purpose. And so we educate about a myriad of social issues in the context of God-given purpose. We speak about abortion and adoption and parenting, fatherlessness, poverty. Mm -hmm. And our heart is that we would motivate people to not just have all this education and knowledge, but they would actually put it into action. And I think sometimes when we say that, people think, oh, skip over the children, let them start in their 20s and 30s walking out the purposes of God in their life. And that's not how I believe. I believe that children, um, God, it's the same Holy Spirit in a 20-year-old that's in a 50-year-old, that's in an 80-year-old, that's in a 6-year-old. Come on. And I believe that if we would understand that, as a God revelation, that we would also understand that children are naturally pro-life and that as adults, we can foster that natural inclination. But it's something as adults and parents and teachers, et cetera, that we have to be intentional about. And so 
as I teach my children, that's my heart and my jump off. And really, I've I've written different books throughout the years. This is the first one that I've actually had published. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was up doing devotions early one morning, and the Lord began to speak to me in rhyme, as He so often does when I'm doing things that turn into things I read to my kiddos. And the text of this book really came from my time with the Lord, and that coupled with um, really, in some level, being over the fear that I hear from so many parents about talking to the children about hard issues. Mm -hmm. And my heart is to dispel that fear and replace it with tools that will allow them to articulate very difficult issues age-appropriately. So ultimately, that's my heart. Yeah, no, and I think you I think you've accomplished that. I think that that is exactly what you have done. I will tell you, um, last year I was in a large bookstore. Everybody be familiar with this bookstore. And I was in the children's section, and they had all of these books that celebrated and created liberal activists. That in, right. they, they are not taking sort of a hiatus from indoctrinating <laughs> kids, right? Not They're not waiting for them mm-hmm. to be 20 or 25. They're not waiting for them to kind of get over the need for they pizza parties. They understand better than the Christians. They absolutely <laughs> right. do. And so I was outraged. I mean, I took pictures of the books. I posted it mm-hmm. online. And then I did a Facebook Live to encourage parents to take the role in training and discipling their children And this book I see as a tool for parents to be able to do that because what you've done, Bethany, is you've gone beyond just saying, hey, we've got to stand against wickedness. You're actually giving parents tools in their toolkit to be able to make the type of activist that it it comports with what they naturally feel. So as you say, kids Mm. are naturally pro-life. But what happens? They start to kind of matriculate through the culture, if you will, mm-hmm. and they have all mm-hmm. these different, you know, affinities that are written on their slate. You know, they're told to believe this, but all the while we parents kind of take a back seat. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate what you've done. I appreciate that it rhymes. I want to. I want to talk about um, the illustration. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Who is this illustrator? This is my first time learning about him. I know. Well, it was the first time I found him too, and. Um, as as I Ryan and I really talked about taking what was just a poem on paper and creating it into a text and fine tuning it for the book that it now is, I just began praying, God, if this is your thing, because you know life is busy and it's yeah. crazy and we have lots of ideas, but God, is, if this is your, if this is a God idea, move it from back burner to front burner. I talked to a bunch of illustrators and there was just nothing that was bringing a good sense of peace. It just wasn't working. And for me personally, I am huge on illustrations because I think just as loudly as the text speaks, so does the illustrations. Mm. And it is not a character-based book. It's a concept-based book. So my prayer was to find an illustrator who was able to produce works of art that allowed children to see a reflection of themselves as they were reading and... I think, you know, I ended up finding Ed. His name came across um, my path a number of times, but he works in, in like, the scholastic sphere. Mm-hmm. And I had seen that he had done a Christian uh, book, a, a children's Bible. So I reached out to him, and we had, he called me in about an hour after my email, and we just knew in that first conversation that the Lord had created a divine mm-hmm. appointment. Mm-hmm. And I literally have not met him face-to-face yet. Believe wow. it or not, 
Amazing. We have worked over phone and over email, but Ed has, through, I believe, divine inspiration, created the heart of God on paper. It's like my heart that as kids open this book, that they would just spend time looking at the end pages, you know, looking at the kids that are there and seeing themselves in this book. Because like I said earlier, what's the point of learning these things if you don't feel a sense of motivation? Mm -hmm. And this is something that I uh, am passionate about at a very, very young age. Yes. And, you know, you, you said it. You said that the world is reaching our kids. And so much fear is keeping Christians, especially pro-lifers, from wanting to talk about these things while the world is bulldozing. Mm-hmm. And the world is teaching our kiddos that to end a human life is okay. You have to be taught that, and it's it's undoing what God has originally placed in our hearts. Mm, that's profound, and, yeah. and we miss that as parents. We don't understand that, that we are working against a culture that is working against us, and, right. and they are working against what is self-evident, what God himself mm-hmm. has placed inside of us, and it's undeniable. Let me do this. I want to give caller number 15 a copy of this book. Caller number 15. I'm going to give the number slowly. You have an opportunity to get this book. Here is the number. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Caller number 15 gets a copy of this full-color, hardback children's book that is going to delight you as you read it to your kids. I mean, this is just an incredible book. Let me say this. Bethany, if we didn't live in a slanted culture, this book would be on the shelves of some of these major bookstores that we would mention that people would know immediately. But we know that that's an uphill battle because they don't want opposition. They do not want opposition. So how can our listeners get their own copy of this book? Well, the easiest way is ProLifeKids.com. And if you go to that site in the next weeks to come, you'll find that there'll be some curriculums. There's downloadables there now. There's T-shirts. There's all sort of things that we call truth gear that are available, but you can absolutely get the book. Pro-Life Kids. ProLifeKids.com. Okay, ProLifeKids.com. I want to read just a section of the book, just a little bit of the book. You're special, just right. You're one of a kind. The world needs your talents, your heart, and your mind. God made you unique. You have no clone. Your fingerprints are yours. Yes, yours alone. He knit you together one cell at a time with love and attention, a plan so divine. Mm. Bethany, (laughs) I love this book. I love this book. I have read it to my kids. My older kids have read it themselves. They have read it to the little kids. We love it. It's vibrant. It's full of color. It's full of biblical diversity. Mm. Diversity is God's idea, and you capture mm-hmm. it beautifully in this book. Bethany, thank you so much for what you and Ryan do on a daily basis. We appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you. It's an honor to even be with you guys. We're each such a piece of the puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you affect your sphere of influence and we're affecting ours, then at the end of the day, we're accomplishing what God's called us to do, and that's awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One last thing I want to ask. Explain to parents in about a minute or less what it looks like to shift culture and to start with our children. I think, personally, I think that 
my heart is that across the board that this would awaken a God revelation that allows us to dream about what that would look like. Because I don't even think that our imaginations as a whole, mm-hmm. as a church, I know individually many of us understand that, but as a whole, we have not even begun to understand the essence of what God has for our children in this generation. Jesus spends his time empowering people empowering children because he knew that one encounter with him could change, you know, make a difference for generations to come. And I just believe that this is, this is part of something we cannot overlook. When we talk about shifting a culture, when we talk about seeing that abortion is unthinkable, when we want the the script to be flipped in our society, we have to... I hate that we're coming to the end of the show. Bethany, I hate to cut you off. I'm so sorry. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.